0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 7, The Bank on Yourself Revolution and Pamela Yellen, Part 1. Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone. We've got a great series of episodes for you, and uh, we've got a special guest with us. Uh, first off, I want to just say welcome to Holly Bach. Thank you guys for joining us. Holly? Hey, everyone. And Katrina Willis is in the studio with us. Hi there. And we also have someone with us that we'd like to interview. Now, this is uh, Pamela Yellen. She's been interviewed on ABC, CBS, NBC. She's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. And uh, she is an expert in showing others how to grow and protect their financial future with guaranteed secure savings. As a consultant to more than 40,000 financial advisors over more than 20 years, Pamela has investigated more than 450 financial products and strategies. And she's concluded that Americans are being brainwashed into accepting they have to risk their money in order to grow it. So we at our firm here, Lake Growth Financial Services, specialize in bank on yourself. And that's a part of our overall financial solution for our clients. But Pamela Yellen coined the phrase. So we are so proud and excited to have her with us on our podcast calling in today. Uh, Welcome to our podcast, Pamela.
1: Well, Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be with you today. Thank you.
0: Well, so what we're gonna do on this first part, now there's gonna be at least uh, one more episode and then we'll actually enjoy a third bonus episode that we'll talk more about toward the end of this episode. Uh, but we'd really like to dive right into the content. So Pamela, you know, just kind of at the top level, what is Bank On Yourself?
1: Well, Bank On Yourself is partly a play on words. Uh, The problem with financial planning and retirement planning today is that people rely on institutions and things that are totally outside of their control. They rely on the stock market. They rely on the government that sponsors and approves uh, their retirement accounts, like 401Ks and IRAs, and then controls the money in those accounts. They might rely on their their employer for a 401K to, for their employer to set it up and hope that their employer sets it up right and hope that they're picking the right mutual funds and the right investments and in the hope that they're not charging them too much in fees. And then you have an employer who can change the rules. They can say, you know what? You can't. Borrow from your 401k anymore because we're not going to let you. So people are banking, if you will, on all sorts of institutions and people and things that are out of their control. Bank on yourself is about just that. Being able to bank on yourself takes back control of your financial future. And the other part of the plan words is that it allows you to bank on yourself when it comes to having access to capital, to finance things, to pay for cars, vacations, a college education, and so on. Uh, Most people rely on financial institutions for that, and they can pull the strings. They can jerk you around. They can uh, take away your credit lines. They can jack up your rates. They can pay you almost nothing on your savings and that's the problem. So, we bank on yourself not only allows you to take control of your financial future rather than counting on others to do it for you, but it allows you to become your own source of financing as well.
0: I love it. I love uh, the play on words and it absolutely does. I'm, you know, so I I heard uh, an interesting story. I I think there's a story here. So, I think you've told me a bit about this, but tell us about your Experience following conventional financial wisdom, and how that experience—that—that that poor experience—helped uh, you find bank on yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. My my husband Larry and I had been doing all of the I say the right things that we had been taught to do, the right things that most people are taught to do with our money. Starting in 1987, we started following that conventional wisdom and. We started a a pension plan for our company, and we put everything into the stock market. We got all kinds of good advice for that. And um, over the years, we never seemed to come close to getting the kinds of returns that they kept saying we ought to be able to get. And so finally, we got a little frustrated with that, and we figured, you know how some people are unlucky in love? Well... We figured we were just unlucky with investing. Mm-hmm. So then we decided we would hire some experts. Certainly the experts could do it better than we could. And so because I'm a very methodical researcher, I started looking at you know major financial magazines. Sometimes you'll see stories in them. The 10 best financial planners in the country. The 10 best money managers in the country. So we took those top 10 lists. And we researched them, and we looked at where there might be a match, which ones made sense. We researched them. We talked to their references, and we ended up hiring, not all at the same time, but one after another, we hired three of the country's best of the best, financial planners and investment managers, money managers, and... They were all quite pricey, and all three of them ended up losing us money, and the most shocking part of this story is that they lost us money during what turned out to be the longest-running bull market in history, and we figured a monkey-throwing darts ought to be able to do that. So we fired them all, and we started researching and looking around for what alternatives there were that would be safe, that would be predictable, that had some sort of predictability that didn't depend on luck, and frankly that didn't depend on the skill because it didn't seem to matter how much skill we had. We actually worked with one of the the country's top uh, analysts who showed us how to chart stocks and mutual funds and to be able to predict which ones were going to go up, which ones were going to go down, make sure that you're out of it before it goes down. And it was painfully boring stuff, you know, that we, we learned and we spent a couple of years trying to master it. And even that didn't work. That just, so we didn't want to have to have any luck or skill uh, needed. We wanted to have it be something that anyone could do. And... So I, that's how I came to research over 450 different financial products and services. And I ultimately stumbled on what I came to call the bank-on-yourself concept.
0: And how did you decide to go all in with this strategy? After studying 450 different concepts, products, strategies, how did you know this one was different? What was it about it that said, all right, this one I'm going to put all my chips on the table, I'm going to go all in with this thing called bank on yourself?
1: Well, a couple reasons. First of all, after researching hundreds of financial strategies, uh, the vast majority, I mean, with only a couple exceptions, turned out to be not even worth the paper they were printed on. Some of them, actually, that even passed our due diligence tests, did end up, uh, you know, we did end up implementing them, and even those proved hazardous and one of them actually cost us every single penny that we had put into it. And then we had to throw good money after bad. Uh, long story, I won't get into that, but we ended up having to pay more money to you know, just get out of this investment. And that was over six figures. It was a six-figure sum that we lost in that, and that was one of the better ones that I found. Wow, so, wow. Right. So what was so convincing to me about... The bank-on-yourself strategy is that it was based on dividend-paying-whole-life insurance, and I already had, my husband and I already had, a couple dividend-paying-whole-life insurance policies, and they had performed not only as well as they had been as had been predicted, but they had actually outperformed what had been predicted, mm-hmm. and when the markets crashed, we didn't lose any money. Uh... One thing that we hadn't done, really, is to try to use the money in the policies that we'd accumulated in the policy of the cash value. We had not tried to use it to become our own source of financing. So uh, we gave that a try, and it ended up working exactly the way we had been told it would work, and we were just like, wow, this is everything that they said it was and more. So then I set about... Researching it even further, and I've, you know, by now, by this time, I've spent literally, well, since 2003, I've been investigating this concept. I never stop investigating, and I never stop investigating alternative strategies. And I think what's missing from most people's financial plans today is that they need things that are safe, predictable, and guaranteed. I think we are in a, uh, heading into a retirement crisis. We're already in a retirement crisis, but I think it is mm-hmm. going to get much, much, much worse. Most people have only a fraction of what they need, say, for retirement, and they have no clue how far short of what they really need. They have no clue about that. And they basically have hope and pray plans, And they're just kind of going. Well, I hope it works out. (laughs) And it's not going to work out for most people. So what they need to do is to say, you know, is to is to begin implementing in their financial plan uh, what I would call safe money and guaranteed lifetime income strategies, such as high cash value, dividend-paying whole life insurance, we can talk about what that is as opposed to just dividend-paying whole life insurance, and annuities to your financial plan because the peace of mind that you'll enjoy knowing that at least a portion of your savings is protected from market losses and all of that, poor economic scenarios, uh, that is priceless.
2: Wow, Pamela. So one thing that I picked up in what you just said, in, as you were sharing your story of how this kind of unfolded into what it's become, is that you already had whole life insurance policies, I think I heard you say. So yeah. you had some already in place maybe before you were you know, fully educated and fully aware of what they could be. Um, so I'd be curious to know when you you know started those whole life insurance policies were they I guess for lack of a better word um, you know advertised to you as, as being able to be this type of powerful financial vehicle or did well, you just kind of have great question you know, plain
1: ones great question and very and and the, and that was part of the problem uh, in fact, let me tell you uh, you see as when I first started becoming, a, a consultant and a, and a marketing consultant and a speaker to the financial services industry, especially insurance agents, uh, life insurance agents in particular. Uh, I was, as you mentioned in, my, in the introduction, Mark, I, I worked with over 40,000 life insurance agents and financial advisors. That's a lot of financial advisors. And uh, one of them told me, you know, Pamela you know, this is a product you could really benefit from, a whole life policy. And I, and I said to her, I said, why would I want a whole life policy, any kind of life insurance policy, even a term policy? I am not, at that time, I was not married. I had no children. And I'm like, so isn't that why people buy these things? They buy them for the right. death benefit. Well, I don't have anybody I need to uh, have a death benefit for. I have no kids, no spouse, etc. And she had no idea how to answer that. And that's the problem. You know, many financial advisors, many life insurance agents said, you know, they they don't understand the full benefits of these policies and they really try to sell them in a way that, you know, just makes, I mean, nobody wants to buy life insurance because the way most insurance agents sell it they sell it as death insurance. Well, no one wants mm-hmm. to talk about death. And these are so much more. They have living benefits, especially if they're structured correctly. And because Lake Growth is a, a bank-on-yourself authorized agency and you um, are all trained and authorized in the bank-on-yourself concept, you don't structure the policies the way Suzy Orman and Dave Ramsey talk about that they say is a horrible Investment. They just say you should never put your money in whole life insurance, but they are talking about a completely different type of whole life insurance than the policies that your team sets up for your clients. Well, that's absolutely
0: that's true. Yeah, and and you know, so let's let's get right into the meat of it here, Pamela. I know that there's a a story in you from how you may have used uh, your policy or policies to help grow your business. Um, maybe even when banks weren't lending money. Can you tell us a story that, that shows our audience exactly how these policies can be used when, a- when
1: banks aren't absolutely. lending a dime? Sure, I'd love to share that story. So, you know, in 2008 we had the big, great you know, financial crash, the credit bubble burst, and pretty soon it was virtually impossible to get any kind of credit business owners and professionals had an even worse time. They literally could not get credit. If, there were stories all over the place. They were so sad. They were like business owners that you know had relate, long-term relationships with bankers. They would play golf with them every week. <laughs> they had lines of credit and loans that they had taken out over 20 years, paid back on time, never been late, never missed a payment, never ever ever done any of that stuff and they would go to their banker and say I need, I need capital or I'm going to go out of business and their banker would say I, I know you've been a perfect customer for 20 years but I'm sorry it doesn't matter there is no money to lend. Hmm. Wow. So in my situation, because once I figured out and I realized how powerful this strategy was and how much better it was performing than all the investing I had done in the stock market and pension plan and all of that, and the IRA, all of that, I, you know, began buying more policies. My husband and I bought more policies. And we were putting every penny we could into those plans. We were... It, it, we. Lived, you know, we, in fact, some months, you know, we barely had. I mean, there were times when I couldn't even pay my employees. I was determined I was going to fund those policies to the max. I wanted to make sure that I was catching up on our retirement savings plan. And then I decided, my husband actually is, I'll hold him responsible for this, but I'll also thank him for it. But he's the one that encouraged me to write the first book. I wrote the, my first book on the Bank on Yourself concept in 2000. It came out in 2009. And I was writing it in 2000. It takes about a year to write a book. And then I thought, you know, I really want to make, I want to spread the word. I want to reach as many people as possible with this message. And I thought, well, I'm going to need some capital to have a much better website we're going to need software, we're going to need to hire people, I'm going to need to hire a PR firm, I'm going to need to do all of that. And my husband and I sat down and we we tallied up, well, what will this cost to do it right? And the number that we came up with was half a million dollars, $500,000 to do it right. Well, none of my business owner colleagues at that time could get their hands on $5,000 dollars let alone $500,000.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: But we made a couple calls to our insurance policies. The, the companies we had the insurance policies with. Within a week, we had $500,000 in our checking account, ready to go. And the only questions we had to answer are, how much do you want and where do you want the money sent?
0: Wow, Pamela. That say, So what I heard you say there was in the midst of the Great Recession, of 2008, uh, you were able to access half a million dollars within a week.
1: Within a week with no questions asked.
0: Amazing.
2: Wow. Just think of the implications of that for any any business owner, but especially small business owners that we work with on a day-to-day basis when that could be their reality. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's powerful. Absolutely.
1: And so many other businesses either went out of business or they struggled. So, I mean, the stories were... People forget. You know, we're human beings. We forget Mm -hmm. the pain of the past. That wasn't that long ago. That was 2008, 2009, 2010. Most people have already forgotten the pain. But the problem is that pain is going to happen again. These things are cyclical. You need to put your plan B in place now before it happens. Because my business owner colleagues were saying to me, well, how, how do I do that? I don't have a policy. And I said, well, it's too late. You need to start the policies now because it will happen again. There will be another credit crisis. There will be another recession. There will absolutely be another market crash.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's happened twice since the year 2000. Do You think it might happen exactly. again? Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And the only thing we don't, we do know there's going to be the next market crash. We, the only thing we don't know is exactly how deep the last two were 50% or more losses, and we don't know when. But most people that we've surveyed think it's coming within the next two to five years, if not sooner. Most people we've surveyed believe that. Uh, so, you know, yes, I think it's, it's very, very important to have this kind of peace of mind. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're a business owner or not. You need to have this, this pile of emergency savings, and it's not enough to do what the conventional wisdom says. Conventional wisdom says, have three to six months worth of your household income and expenses in an emergency fund, a rainy day fund. Well, during the recession, there were many people who lost their jobs for over two years. That's not enough. You should have at least two years of household savings, of household income, in safe and liquid savings, such as a bank on yourself type dividend paying whole life plan so that when the you-know-what hits the fan, which it will, and never when you expect it, you can weather whatever challenges life throws at you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I just have a quick question for you, Pamela. Um, has anyone ever been able to prove you wrong or prove that the claims you've made about bank on yourself aren't true? If I remember correctly, you actually have a incentive, a challenge out there for people to prove you wrong, right?
1: Yeah, we've had this challenge uh, for, I believe we, we had the, we've had the challenge since 2009, 2010, and the challenge is that if your best financial, your favorite financial strategy can beat, can, or just not even beat, if it can just match or beat the advantages of bank on yourself, then we will pay you a $100,000 cash reward. Because if you actually have something that works better than the bank-on-yourself method, I want to know about it because I'm going to implement it for my family and I'm going to want to tell other people about it, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. And no, one, no one's been able to so far? No, one, no one's no, won?
1: No one's even come close.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's that is, amazing.
0: That's huge. So, you know, let's just kind of, as we're kind of wrapping this first episode up, and we will be having a part two, everyone, so please be sure to stick with us for part two. Uh, Let's just imagine, Pamela, just a brief picture, paint us a picture, and let's just imagine there's two people, okay, so two individuals making the same income. Let's say they're able to save the same amount of money, but let's say one person is doing it in traditional stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and let's say the other person is putting the same amount into bank on yourself, dividend-paying, whole life insurance built for cash value and so forth. What's different about them? What's different about their lives? Paint a, picture, paint, paint a picture for us about why it matters where you save.
1: The biggest difference, and the difference is huge, is that the person who has a saving strategy that is primarily based on the bank-on-yourself type, high-cash-value, dividend-paying, whole-life policies will know the guaranteed minimum value of their retirement savings on the day they plan to tap into them and at any point along the way, they will eliminate the uncertainty of a market crash, of what will my returns be over time, of, and especially what if the market crashes right before I was supposed to retire or shortly thereafter. Uh, they will also, at least based on current tax law, they'll know that they can take all of their principal and growth in the plan with no taxes due, and most people, of course, save in tax-deferred programs like 401Ks and IRAs, mm-hmm. and they have no clue what their tax liability is going to be because they don't know what the tax rates are going to be when, they, when 30 years from now or 20 years from now. And I can tell you one thing, though. The taxes that they're going to pay are always much higher than people estimate that they're going to be. Most mm-hmm. people have no clue that they're going to end up losing 35 to 50% of their money to taxes. That They, they think they're getting it all. It's all their big pile of money. It's not. The government has an IOU. <laughs> you have an IOU to the government on at least a third of that. And they will also have, because it is life insurance, they will also have a legacy for their loved ones, favorite charities, or both. And that will be income tax free to them.
0: You know, Pamela, as you're re- as you're saying all that, I just get the sense that it creates a sense of peace, and sanity, security, those things that the related to taxes, legacy, guarantees, liquidity. That creates; those are all parts of a picture that create, I think, a financially stress free life. Uh, and exactly. certainly,
1: and that's that's what it's all about. How bet. do you create uh, a life, especially in retirement, that's not Dress, that you're not worrying about, you know, your, how you're going to make it through your, your golden years. Love it. You shouldn't have to deal with that when you're retired, when you're older. You shouldn't have to deal with it. That. That's the whole point of, you know, retirement savings. And ever since, they moved away from pension plans where your employer was providing you that lifetime income guarantee to now you're responsible for your own retirement security, it's been a disaster. It's not working. And I hope everyone listening to this podcast it understands that and wakes up to the fact that Wall Street doesn't want you to know this, but there are viable alternatives to
0: that. That's a great place to end this first episode and remember to stay around for part two. Now no. Pamela, as we're wrapping up here, where can our audience learn more about you and about Bank on Yourself?
1: Well, I would say they might want to go to bankonyourself.com. If they want to take that $100,000 challenge, go to bankonyourself.com, and in the upper right, it's, you can click on $100,000 challenge.
0: And if you figure it out, split the winnings with us, right?
1: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, $100,000, <laughs> right. 100, you know? That's great.
0: <laughs> no one's figured it out yet. That's great. Well, thank you, Pamela. Uh, and again, My we'll be pleasure. we'll be sticking around for part two. Thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click request a meeting.